first question is just who are you? That is a sometimes a tougher question than others. Um, but yeah, I'll give a little brief background on the history of Andrew. Um, so as most people know me through social media, uh, mainly through TikTok is my biggest following. So I'm more or less a content creator focused on existential conscientiousness, mental health, as well as psychedelics more recently, um, sharing some of my experiences. Uh, my day job, I do have a full-time job in digital advertising, um, but yeah, that's a lot less interesting. Um, so yeah, I grew up in Minneapolis, Minnesota, went to school in Philadelphia, and now I've lived in New York for the past few years. Uh, started creating content uh, mid-pandemic around June, July of 2020. Uh, it was just something that I can go into more detail with this story, but basically something that I knew that I wanted to do for well over a year, if not closer to two years. And I had the typical fears that most people have, you know, fear of judgment, uh, fear of failure and whatnot. And I got to a point that I was basically like, I know I'm going to regret this one day if I don't, you know, do this, make the jump. And so I did and basically started with a YouTube vlog, took the intro from that that I did. There was kind of like a funny skit from Dodgeball, threw it on TikTok, happened to go viral, got a few thousand followers from that, and then figured I've already decided I'm going to go into this, might as well figure out some other things I'm interested in and just post, sort of posting a lot of you know, like fitness content, nutrition stuff, mental health things, quotes that kind of helped me keep perspective. And yeah, been a lot of up, ups and downs ever since then. And yeah, but we can get into that in more detail too, if you want. Interesting. So yeah, I'm wondering how the, um, the mental health stuff and sort of how did that sort of develop and become something that you were interested in and something that you wanted to actually create content about? Yeah. So that's been quite the progression, I would say, but, um, kind of the root of my sort of mental health struggles. I feel like most people who create content in the mental health realm had some sort of past experience with, you know, struggles, whether it be depression, anxiety, something along those lines. So my backstory is in high school, especially, um, I had quite a bit of social anxiety and I was, so because of that, I was just always worried about what people thought of me, people's judgments of me, people's opinions of me. So in order to kind of circumnavigate that idea and almost like not allow people to have negative judgments of me, I was just very quiet and very reserved, almost like never putting myself out there because I figured if I'm never putting myself out there, then no one can have a negative opinion of me. It means they'll probably not necessarily have a positive opinion of me. They'll just kind of be neutral, whatever, and I'll avoid, you know, any negative judgments. And so that, as you can probably imagine, was, you know, like a living hell to a degree because I was constantly worrying about everything that I was doing. And it wasn't like, you know, I was, I was mute. So every time I did, you know, put myself out there, it was just rooted in sort of extreme fear. And so that sort of naturally got better throughout college and then got a lot better. I got to a point where I was just, it was like towards the end of college. And then after college, I started getting more into you know, just understanding of the present moment and how it's really the only thing there ever is. I never really had a great idea of that um, beforehand. It was a place I 
wouldn't have even understood. And, and throughout college, I, I kind of, I read some books that got me to the place where I just stopped caring so much about what people thought of me. And I kind of took it to ex an extreme where I was almost like trying to be this character that didn't care as opposed to just being myself that was a person who didn't care about what people thought of me, if that makes sense. I think there's like a subtle difference there that I kind of had to navigate through. Um, but that's more or less, yeah, my backstory when it comes to mental health. And so I figured, you know, when I started creating content, might as well just share some things that helped me without any expectation that it'll necessarily help anyone else. But if it does, cool. What were some of the books that you started to read that started to make that shift happen and accelerate the uh the first two and they're still like two of my favorites to this day or the power of now uh by Eckhart Tolle kind of got into a lot of his stuff and then the subtle art of not giving a fuck by Mark Manson um so those two combined kind of were the very beginnings of my sorts of feelings and understandings of things like that and you know especially the subtle art by Mark Manson really triggered some things in me of just like understanding how pointless it is to base my existence off of other people's opinions. And, you know, one of the main realizations was understanding that they're just like, you know, not thinking about me as much as I thought. And understanding that is a lot of, you know, what I post about now is like, you know, people just don't have the mental capacity to keep everyone else's lives in mind. So we think that everyone has this perception of us that, is kind of just a figment of our imagination. So, you know, really understanding that helped me a lot. And then, you know, beyond that, just even if there is passing judgment, you know, it's not a reflection on you, it's more of a reflection on them and their perception of, of things. And, you know, for the most part, we're always seeing mirrors of ourself and what we're afraid of and what we're judging. Yeah, that's very interesting because that's, definitely like a fear of mine that I've had in the past about, you know, creating content and putting myself out there as well as the fear of judgment. And you're exactly right is there is passing judgment when you do that. But it is just that it's somebody just scrolling right past or saying, Oh, I didn't like this. I'll just watch like watch something else. And uh, if they make a comment or whatever, it's just, it is usually a reflection of their of their own insecurities or, or you know, it's just really not that important. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's, that's very interesting. Um, a new earth was actually what kind of the book, a new earth was sort of what shifted my, that and a couple other books, but it's interesting. We have the, the similarity there with Eckhart Tolle. Um, uh, cause yeah, just understanding that present moment is very important. And then I find it, it's very funny, the combination that you had with sort of like the power of now, which is like very, very much like a, I guess the, the art, the, the art of not giving a fuck is a spiritual type book as well, but in a much different way and, uh, a power of now and the combination of that it's, that's a very interesting combination, I feel like. And, um, and you mentioned that you sort of built a character out of yourself and, to me, that, that makes me think of sort of like, um, identif identifying, like, was there some sort of identifying with, with this, this person that you would sort of become after or, or, or early on in that journey? You know, a lot of people talk about knowing yourself and being yourself and all, you know, these ideas that we should strive for. And I would argue that you can't 
know yourself kind of like how, you know, Alan Watts will say things like, you know, you, you can't bite your own teeth or, you know, touch the tip of your finger with that same finger, things like that. I would argue that you can't know yourself. So, you know, being yourself is who you are, what you are when you're not trying to be anything at all. So I was still trying to be, even though, you know, I had existed for a lot of my life on one end where I was, you know, trying to be this person that people didn't have a negative opinion on. Then I was trying to be this person that didn't care whatsoever what people thought of them and both sides, I was trying to be something. So there was still that sort of friction. And I think anytime you're trying to be something, it's like you have to remember how to be, remember what this type of person or this type of character should say, as opposed to when you're not trying to be anything at all, it's the most freeing place you can ever be because there's no anxiety or depression to kind of, obviously those things come up and, you know, they're all around us all the time. But when you're not trying to be anything, you don't have to, you know, you don't have that deep rooted fear of, you know, having to remember what to be or worrying about saying, you know, the quote unquote wrong thing, because, you know, when you're not trying to be anything at all, there's no wrong things you can possibly say. There's also, I don't know, it's, it's interesting. Like I think about what you said there, where it's like, when you're trying to be something, you're not being yourself, but couldn't that also be seen as you being yourself, not being yourself? Yeah, no, it's, it's, that's a great point because I've actually made a video about this. It's like the paradox of being yourself. Like you're always being yourself, even if you're trying to be something else. But I think that sort of like the difference between being yourself, trying to be something else is like an inachievable goal that comes with a sort of baggage with it. But if you're not trying to be anything at all, that's more of like a free type of existence. So I, I talk about this sometimes the idea of being yourself is like, we're always changing and simultaneously always being ourselves. So if we decide to change or act differently or whatever, you know, we can't not be ourselves. It's physically impossible. And at the same time, we're always changing. So something that I've kind of thought about recently is I'm, I'm a pretty big Gary V fan. He was one of the first people I kind of got into when I got into this sort of mindset as well. And he talks about the idea of, you know, knowing who you are and staying true to yourself and how he's kind of like figured out who he is and he, you know, curses X, Y, Z, which, you know, I curse a decent amount as well, but he has this take where he talks about how if, you know, people say, you know, Gary, you know, your messages could come across very well and reach a broader audience if you didn't curse as much. And he says, you know, well, if I didn't curse, I wouldn't be myself, you know, I, I would lose that sort of idea of myself. And so I think with him, a, a place that I kind of disagree with him is he has an idea of himself that he's kind of held on to for, I don't know, maybe he's been creating content for the last 15 years or so. So like kind of at that point when he started, he had this idea of himself and obviously he's changed quite a bit, but he's still clings to sorts of ideas and there's nothing right or wrong about it either way. But I think when you're clinging to an idea of yourself and think you've like, you know, figured out who you are, you're still just clinging to an idea. So while you're always being yourself, as we just mentioned, it's still sort of clinging to a past version of you when you're kind of holding on to, oh, that's 
who I am. You can't really know who you are. You're always just being it. So it's not a way of acting. It's just a way of being here and now all the time forever. Right. And that's the key right there is just being here and now because, uh, yeah, otherwise it, it like sort of identifying with who you are and being like, Oh, I'm this type of person. I do this kind of thing as much as like in your mind, those ideas are there to try Like you've, you've set those up to try to like help yourself, you know, do better, but ultimately it does become a hindrance because it, it is that slight interruption between you and the present moment. That's what it ends up becoming. I feel like. Yeah, certainly it kind of creates this hesitation where you're like, Oh, can I do this? Like, is this staying true to myself? And it's definitely, you know, a process. It's not the easiest thing in the world to kind of, you know, keep that mentality of not sort of like having those judgments of yourself along the way while you're finding that sort of balance. And especially for me, the last four or five months, I've, I've kind of felt like I've changed a lot and kind of gone back and forth. Whereas for my entire life, I was very much you know, very rigid and structured and had very specific goals and was like, everything had the intention of, of meeting them because I had this sort of like, that is where fulfillment will be. And less so recently where, you know, I know that the achievement of a goal isn't, you know, going to bring me this like crazy amount of fulfillment. It's more of the process in itself, but I kind of shifted the last few months to being a lot less structured and a lot less rigid and having, you know, almost no routines. And I think that was sort of helpful for me to, to learn to not judge myself in terms of, you know, what I was accomplishing day to day. But at the same time, I was, I've not been able to like, quote unquote, accomplish as much necessarily. And so it's kind of like finding that balance. And now I'm at a point where, I'm coming back to being a little bit more structured, but without that sort of sense of needing based like rooted in lack to accomplish things. It's more like I'm tossing in the structure because I want to do all of these things. And there are a lot of things that interest me. And without that structure, I'm just not able to do all of those things. And I find myself, you know, scrolling on TikTok for an hour and I'm like, fuck, well, this isn't super helpful. <laughs> Much like a lot of things in life, it's a, it comes down to an idea of balance and trying to figure out what that means. And there's a lot of things that we learn through our life. You know, we wake up every day with sort of a new slate, but our, our history and our past is, you know, in our memories and we can, we can access these lessons that we've learned and we can realize, oh, I feel better when I work out, you know, I feel better when I have this routine. Um, so yeah, it's important to understand how to like optimize your life, but then also to allow yourself to have that freedom, like you talked about. And also the, like, personally, like I'll, I'll, I'll say for myself, like I have a lot of, uh, in the past, I've had a lot of like self blame. And so when I, when I sort of recognize, like I'm not in a space where I want to be, or I'm, I'm somewhere that I'm not like where I haven't accomplished what I want to accomplish, I'll start blaming my past self for where I am today. Whereas, um, in, you know, it's, it's much more, 
sort of just necessary to realize like, oh, this is this is all just lessons to just kind of progress yourself forward. And you can just teach yourself from what you've done to, you know, if you want something, you do have to work for it. You know, that's kind of the idea there as well. I think it's like you're always making progress and it's not until you start, you know, judging that progress does things start to like, you know, anxiety and, and worry start to come in. And with finding that balance that, we we're just talking about, I think it's important to understand that, you know, finding people talk about finding balance a lot. And I think some people get in their heads that it's like, you know, this thing that they can just read about or, you know, learn about and all of a sudden like incorporate, I'm just going to incorporate balance into my life. Like I'm going to have this structure and make sure like I have X amount of time for this, X amount of time for this, X amount of time for this. And I think balance is more of an experience like it's something that you do and and the doing and the action is irreplaceable in so many facets of life but i think finding balance people get caught up in this idea of balance and it's really just like the natural progression of existing and kind of figuring things out as you go and doing your best to not judge that progress and if you get caught up in judging yourself not judging your judgments because that's something I get caught up in all the time. And, and yeah, it can be something that I don't know, it's just tough to get through sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh balance is active, you know, balance has to keep moving. It's just like when you're balancing on, you know, a, a tightrope or something, you you're constantly having to move to keep that balance. It's not something you can just do once or, or twice. It's, it's an active part of your life moment by moment. Um, so I'm curious about psychedelics though, cause you, you mentioned that earlier and I've watched some of your content about that. So, uh, I'm curious, how did psychedelics enter your life and, and sort of what place do they hold? Yeah. So it's a fairly recent thing for me, um, within the last three months, I think, um, I've only ever tried mushrooms when it comes to psychedelics. Um, but yeah, so going back a little bit before then in, uh, July of 2021, I sort of had this like waking up sort of moment um, that has changed my perspective on everything for a while. And I was struggling with just like some intrusive thoughts. And I was actually listening to the audiobook for Stillness Speaks by Eckhart Tolle and just talking about the past and how like it doesn't actually exist and is just this idea and it's just exists inside of our mind. And so I imagined for a second, you know, I paused the book and I was like, what would my life be like if I didn't have a past and like the past actually didn't exist. And I imagined for a second, just, I was walking through New York and I was like, just aware of what was sort of in that moment, because everything I was worried about was, you know, things that happened in the past that I was worried about happening again, essentially. So without that sort of idea of the past and just imagining just for like a split second that I didn't have a past, I was like, oh my God, this feels amazing. And then I kind of kept going down that route and I was like, well, if I don't have a past and I'm just aware here and now of what is here and now, then, you know, and Andrew, this idea of Andrew is nothing more than a bundle of past experiences and ideas leading up to here and now. But I'm, you know, I'm not that past, but that's all that, you know, Andrew is or this idea of Andrew, then maybe I'm not Andrew. Maybe, maybe I'm just this awareness here now, like sort of this 
present awareness of Andrew. And I've, you know, sort of continued on that, but that was like a breakthrough understanding for me. So I started posting a lot of videos about that and how we are just, you know, I am the present awareness of Andrew. And now it's kind of progressed into like the awareness that I am aware of Andrew, that sort of thing, like almost one layer deeper. And so I started posting videos like that. And people were like, oh, tell me you've done psychedelics without telling me you've done psychedelics and all this stuff. And I had never tried psychedelics up to that point. This is all, you know, sober realizations. And so I was just getting tons of comments like that. And I was like, fuck, I might as well like give them a shot if everyone assumes I'm already doing them. So uh, I tried them, I think for the first time in October, September, October. Um, and I just kind of got into like experimenting different dosages. Um, so I basically up to this point tried everything, every different dose between 0.2 to five grams. And yeah, every experience has been different. I think it's been able to allow me to see things just like our existence much more clearly, you know, without the distortion of all of my perceptions and judgments of the world and kind of peel back a lot of my layers. And, and I've one thing about mushrooms, I think people who've taken them will understand is that you kind of keep those understandings with you. It's not like you're just on them and then you're off them and you go back to normal completely. It's like, they do sort of have this lasting change and but like not in a negative way, at least from my experience, like in a very positive way in the way that I see things. Um, so yeah, that's sort of my initial experience, but yeah, I can, I can go into more depth with, you know, different dosages and just like specific, more specific experiences too. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Um, I just want to touch on that one point you mentioned where it's sort of had a lasting effect and a lasting change. I think that's what some, you know, that's what possibly discourages people from doing substances like this is like, oh, it's going to change who I am, you know, and, and not everybody wants to be changed. And, and also it's an unpredictable change um, to a degree because you don't really know what you're going to experience with a lot of these substances, even with, you know, research into trip reports and all that, because your life is the, your experience with them are, is so subjective to sort of who you are as well. Um, so yeah, but, but I would like to know a little bit more specific, maybe some stories, like maybe your first, uh, larger dose or maybe, yeah, actually what has been one of the more impactful experiences that you've had on it? And I'd love to hear like the story behind it as well. Yeah. So I think just like that first point you made my, you know, personal experience, I think I was very well primed for that experience of mushrooms. Like I had already been having realizations that a lot of people sort of need psychedelics to, you know, see, or just like having that sort of clarity of understanding. So if you are very far from that, if you're someone who is, you know, very sure of like who you are, the way the world is, or like, you know, you think you're sure at least, and think you're certain and, and very, you know, rigid and concrete and like the way things are and the way things should be and the right and the wrong thing to do and et cetera. It's like, think, you know, you think there are objective right and wrong, good and bad, then it's going to be a pretty jarring experience. So for most people, like if they ask, 
because I have a lot of friends reaching out because I'm pretty, you know, open about my experiences. My recommendation is always just to start small. Like there's no reason to like dive head first into a massive dose, um, starting small to kind of get your feet wet because I've, I've heard of, I don't think I've heard of anyone having like a bad experience on like a very small microdose, like 0.1 or 0.2 grams. It's, it's pretty safe and it's usually not what people expect. It's just, you know, mine's a little quieter. You're more easily able to stay present, a little bit more relaxed. It's not like this, you know, trippy thing, government propaganda that they're all pushing and stuff. Um, so that's just my recommendation for people starting off. But um, yeah, I, I think one of the most impactful, I mean, five grams was pretty crazy for sure. Um, I did that a few weeks ago. Um, but one of the one of the most interesting, and I made a full YouTube video about this experience was on three grams. One time I actually took it with some friends for the first time. And I, so I was in my friend's apartment in New York and we all took three grams and they, uh, we were like 30 minutes in. So like starting to come up and, and definitely starting to feel it. Things are starting to get a little wobbly and whatnot. And one of my friends had his eyes closed and I had never, I'd probably tripped, you know, maybe a handful of times on, on a relatively higher dose before this point, but I had never really closed my eyes. And so I closed my eyes and just kind of leaned my head back in a chair. And I probably had my eyes closed for about maybe 30 minutes. And it felt like I went thousands of miles within myself. And I was sort of like in a place that I was familiar with, but it also never been before. And all of a sudden I saw these beings and I don't know if you're familiar with the movie soul. Um, but it's, it's a very good movie. It's a Pixar animated movie. I think it's PG, but it kind of talks a lot about, you know, before life, after life and like finding your purpose. It's a pretty good movie. Actually, I would recommend it, but they have, uh, these like baby souls and they're, it's in a place called the great before. And they're all these like little bulk cartoon sort of blobs. And so I had seen that movie like two weeks before this, uh, which that made it clear to me that like your perception and, uh, perception of the way things are like massively impacts what you see, you know? So people who are, you know, re very religious, they may have thought when, you know, they were there that they were, you know, in heaven or whatever. And it's just like important to keep in mind how much your perceptions play a role in experiences, especially psychedelic experiences. And so I'm aware that like that had a massive impact on mine. So I was there and it was kind of like complete darkness. And then there were like 10 of these little souls. And I was like, oh, and it was kind of like, the only thing I can describe it as is like, you know, talking to God, which I have my own, you know, perception. I kind of see God as like, you know, everything, the universe itself. I think it's been this word that's, I don't know, been used in a lot of different ways and every, everyone has an idea of it, but that's like the only word I can use to describe it. So it was like talking to them, but I also knew that they were like a part of me as well. So immediately when I got there, I was like, oh, so there's, there's a few of you. And then immediately, as soon as I said that they like morphed into one being and they were like, like a one bigger being. And they were like, and then they changed into a tree and then some other object. And then they were like, we are whatever you perceive us to be, you know, we are everything 
and nothing. And I was like, all right, that, you know, that checks out. And then, so while I was there, I was like, hmm, I might as well, you know, ask a few more questions here while I got you here. Um, so I asked, and it was, it was interesting because I was asking these questions, but I was, you know, fully aware that I was talking to myself. And I think it was like, I was giving myself answers in a way that I just had kind of understood, but, you know, hadn't been able to realize as clearly as I could now in this like complete clarity. So I asked something like, you know, why is there suffering in the world? And they said, basically, it's like a product of the way that we exist now and how far we have gotten from the understanding that we are you know, all one thing in this sort of like illusion of duality that we exist in suffering because there is, you know, you know, mega billionaires and whatnot, there's inevitably going to be like, you know, it's not like a straight line. Every time you go on one side, it's like pulls from the other. Um, so it's more or less a product of our current existence in the idea because we think that we are separate and we are not, you know, all one. Um, and yeah, I think that's the extent of it. I don't, I don't know if I fully remember like all the answers that I got, but that was more or less the extent. And then I asked a couple more questions. One of them was, I have a joint podcast with a guy uh, named Ray, who's on TikTok and Instagram as well. And he has sort of like had the, that realization I had back in July. He's sort of had that 20 years ago and has sort of been existing in this sort of state of freedom, I guess, kind of like floating through life in a way, not really identified as, you know, the human character of Ray, but just as, you know, the universe experiencing itself more or less and understand that he is like everything basically. Um, and so I asked, is Ray, is Ray here? And they're like, well, yes and no. Cause you know, Ray is just a human idea, a human concept, but in the way that you're asking, like, yes, he's been here for a while and he is also you, like there is no separation between you and him and you're both this sort of deeper awareness of the universe. And I think that was, I think I had like two other questions, but then I, my friends were talking and I could still kind of hear them, but I was still like in this state. And then I saw like two lights, probably like, it felt like, you know, couple hundred, couple thousand miles away, like kind of up that way. And they were my eyes. And then as I opened them, I was like, it felt like I was shot out of a rocket ship, like back to the surface of this existence and like experience of duality sort of. And that was more or less the extent of that, at least like the, the exciting part of that trip and kind of like life-changing jarring experience of that um so so you were rocketed back into this world and you said of duality so you were in a place of unity and when you came back to this physical world you were in a place of duality yeah it's it's like some of this stuff i feel like is hard to express because it's like it's not black and white almost like i was still you know in this realm it was almost like I felt like I was just within, like so deep within myself, like this deeper sort of existence that I think we all sort of are. And because we all 
sort of live on this surface level, we think, and that's part of the illusion that we are, you know, just this human character when it's like we are, but we're also something deeper that's sort of when you go beyond identity, beyond personality, beyond beliefs, beyond our individual perceptions, it's like we're all the awareness of the universe, kind of like the observer and the observed. And so I think getting sort of like feeling like I'm shot out of a rocket ship back to like the surface is like back to this experience, which is still, it was all happening here and now, but it's like, this is the experience we've sort of, I don't know what word to describe, but like chosen as unity have chosen to experience this sort of like illusion of duality, but because we've sort of existed in it for so long, we think that this is, it's not an illusion anymore in a way. Okay. So I'm hearing you. I, 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 so it's the, the illusion of that, that we live in this world sort of, and it's, it's almost like, it's almost like the mushrooms stripped away all of that illusion and, and took you to like a place that also exists within you. And, and I, I assume everybody. Uh, of this place of sort of oneness and connectedness and understanding that we are all one. We're all part of like everything exists and it's all connected at like at some level. And you were, so you, you visited that place, but then you came back to this world and was, how did that feel to be sort of like at one place and, and sort of back into the other you know, into this world now. It was, it was jarring. And I think part of me was like, oh, I want to go back. I wanted to go back. And, but at the same time, I understood that this is the same place in a way. It's like, I'm still experiencing, I'm just here experiencing like this sort of world in a way, which is the same world and place that I was in, but it was like a place of infinite possibilities, which this place is as well. But because especially like the way our society exists, there's so much, you know, judgment and perception and sort of like distortion of that feeling of unity that it's, it's hard to believe that it is all unity in a way. So you also mentioned, uh, just, uh, on that same point of, of dual dualism, I guess you mentioned you, you sort of got some answers in that place, uh, in that mushroom space, um, where you were realizing that sort of the nature of the, the world we live in now, because of sort of our society, that there seems to be some sort of, uh, that we're sort of almost subjected to a sense of dualism when there doesn't necessarily need to be that. Is, is that right? Is, is that kind of what I, that's sort of what I got from what you said? Yeah. Well, so I think when it comes to like the idea of duality and non-duality, if everyone understood non-duality completely, or if we stopped sort of existing in this illusion of duality, like we would just, there wouldn't be any more experience. So in order for me to experience the illusion of duality, like Andrew has to exist. And I need some identification with Andrew. Like, it's not like I would completely 
disidentify because it is, but I think the difference is between, you know, taking it very seriously and thinking that, you know, this is all not necessarily an illusion is the difference between like taking it very seriously and not taking it very seriously or, you know, taking yourself very seriously or not taking yourself very seriously. Like, you know, kind of like our minds, they're an incredibly, our minds and our brains, like they're incredibly powerful tools, but if we're not able to, you know, observe it and sort of, I don't want to say turn it off because you can never really turn it off, but just like not take it seriously, then, you know, you have to ask, are you using your mind as a tool or is it using you at that point? So it's sort of the same with identification. If you're able to understand that this identity is not just who you are, or it's just a tool to be used, then you can sort of, I don't know, have fun with it or just not take the experience so seriously. But at the same time, I don't exist in that state all the time. Like I get caught up taking things very seriously all the time. I think, I don't want to say it's, you know, difficult to exist in that state all the time, because that's just, you know, an individual perception that might perpetuate my inability to exist in it all the time. Um, but it, it is something you have to sort of remember. And it, it's, it is sort of a practice of forgetting and remembering constantly. And, and, you know, when fear and desire and worry comes in is sort of like, you know, when you have forgotten and when you're fully at peace and sort of flowing with life as life, um, that's when you've sort of remembered or at least remembered not necessarily who you are, but who you're not like remembering that you're not just this, you know, human meat suit. Yeah. Yeah. So is that the value that, that you got was just that shift in perception or just that other perception of, of realizing like, oh, this is another part of who I am. And, and, uh, you can take that sort of perception back into this world as well. Yeah. I think, I think it went along with, it was just sort of like a deeper understanding of that sort of realization I came to back in July of understanding that, you know, all I am is this moment right now. And when you're only the here and now, there is no idea or concept or identity that comes with identity is all kind of like past experience and ideas. So that experience definitely helped sort of solidify that understanding, even though I had pretty solid understanding of it, it just helped me to realize it. And then I think one of the biggest things was seeing myself in everyone else, like seeing that I was sort of this deeper awareness of Andrew. It's like, I see everyone else as that deeper awareness. So it's almost like seeing myself in everyone, especially, you know, I walk around New York a lot. Like I, I see when I see someone passing, it's not, I see myself as I see Andrew in them, but I see, you know, what is beyond Andrew is sort of this awareness of what is here and now, like the awareness of the universe here and now with no identity and perception to sort of come along with it. It's not that you are a part of that person. It's that we're all part of something else almost. Exactly. It's like, 
when you change how you define yourself and you see that you're just this sort of awareness, then it's not that I am you, like that Andrew is Forrest, but that neither of us are these humans. So it's like, it's sort of that deeper understanding, but it goes beyond identity. So when I talk to people about this, it's like, well, you know, you're not me because I'm me here and you're you there. And it's like, if you're defining yourself and myself as just these humans, then, you know, you're right. There is this perception of division here. But if you go sort of like beyond that as just like beyond identity, beyond personality, and just as this awareness here and now, then we are no different. Yeah. It's, it's so interesting to me. And this is why I love talking about the experiences from psychedelics is because they're so paradoxical almost. And because of that, they, it makes them very difficult to understand. And the only way I think you kind of really understand it is from experience. Like it's the experience itself that teaches you something. It's even the words you're saying, the words I'm saying, it's only can convey so much to somebody compared to the actual experience you had. Like, I'm sure you had read many things that, that said, like, we're all kind of one, we're all connected, we're all the same. There's something under underneath all of this, but to really kind of like have an understanding of that, that impacts your life, you sort of have to have some sort of like spiritual experience almost, I feel like, which can be obtained through psychedelics or it can be obtained through other ways as well. Um, which is where I'd like to go next. I'm curious if you have any sort of other spiritual practices, like if you've tried meditation or, or anything like that and found any other value from things like that. Yeah. So I back uh, four years ago, uh, right around when I was, uh, finishing up with college through graduation, I got into, you know, power of now and like a few, few other books. And I sort of got into a meditation practice and I had a very, and that was again, when I was, you know, very structured and rigid about things. And I thought of, you know, meditation, it did, you know, help me a lot understanding that I am just the observer of my thoughts. And I think early on it can help with that a lot, I think at the same time. And recently I've sort of like gotten away from having that sort of morning routine and, you know, meditating daily because I got tied to it as a sort of, you know, need and, and feeling like I couldn't take on the day as well if I didn't meditate. So, you know, people, most people will say that like meditation is objectively, you know, an amazing thing. And I am very much a fan of meditation. This is not to say that I'm, that I'm not, but I sort of, I think it can be just another thing that your ego sort of holds on to, and it can be another sort of identity that it builds up. Not necessarily that it's a negative identity, but I think any sort of identity can make it a little bit more difficult to, you know, realize that, you know, you're not this human character and sort of have those realizations of that, like pure freedom. Um, so I was sort of getting caught up in feeling this need to meditate. And then if I didn't, and I was going through my day and I was like, I'd be like, shit, I forgot to meditate. Like, and then I'd get like more worried and like, oh, am I going to be able to take on the day as well? And since then, so for the last, 
I don't know, two or three months, I haven't done a daily meditation. And what I've seen through that is that if I am able to exist day to day and as sort of like intrusive thoughts come up or anything like that, doubts, perceptions, if I'm able to just catch them as they come up and not take them seriously, then that is sort of, you know, a 24 seven meditation as opposed to thinking I need to take, you know, 10 minutes out of the day to observe my thoughts. So there are still times where I'll sit down and just, you know, if I need to just like calm myself down or something, like I'll, I'll close my eyes and, and whatever. But I think it can be a sort of another sort of identification. And I've been able to see now that it was as beneficial as it is early on, it was becoming sort of just like a mindless practice. Like I just got to sit down and do this and then get on with my day. It was just like another to do thing that I could cross off. And so if that's how you're sort of going through it and, and existing in that meditative state of just like doing it to do it and feel better about yourself, then it's not actually going to derive a whole lot of benefit. So, you know, I think there comes a point where if you're able to kind of exist in that sort of state of, you know, being aware of what is here and now all the time, you don't need that sort of like 10 minutes of meditation just becomes like a sort of, you know, individual experience that doesn't necessarily have the carryover throughout your day that I initially might've thought where I used to think that, you know, those 10 minutes would like help me for the rest of the day. But looking back now, it's like, there were still times where I would get super worked up and, and not be able to, you know, quiet my mind or, or whatever, even when I was meditating. So it, it was more of looking back, just like a 10 minute sort of experience. Whereas now it's more of like a constant sort of thing. Um, so yeah, that's, that's like my meditative experience. <laughs> it's very interesting to hear. Yeah. Because, um, my sort of opinion about meditation and sort of the idea of doing a practice is to sort of sharpen the tool of awareness and to be able to just focus more because that's what it's sort of training you to do is be able to recognize when you're thinking and, and, you know, when you're just trying to focus on your breath or whatever the type of meditation is, you start to realize, oh, these thoughts are coming in constantly and you start to become aware of that. And then, you know, if you can carry that awareness through throughout the day, whether you meditate regularly or not, that's the importance of it. That's actually where it's going to be helping you is when you can catch your thoughts. Oh, I've been thinking this repetitive thought throughout this day and, and this is actually catching me up and I just need to acknowledge it, right? That's usually what your thoughts want is just some sort of acknowledgement. And then they'll, you'll say, oh, okay, no, that's fine. Don't worry about it. And then it'll, it'll actually go away once it's actually acknowledged as opposed to just kind of ignore it like we we commonly do with our thoughts yeah or, or we try and resist them or like stop them from happening and one of my favorite quotes that i talk about a lot is what you resist persists so the longer you try and fight something like the longer it's gonna stick around and i think one of the most helpful understandings i've had for you know overthinking and intrusive thoughts is that when people are overthinking they usually don't want to stop thinking altogether because I would argue that until you get to like a sort of crazy meditative Zen state, you know, your, your mind's going to be 
going. And even then, like it's still thoughts arise, you're not going to shut it off. So when people say they want to stop overthinking, they just want to stop thinking certain thoughts, they're having certain intrusive negative thoughts that they want to, you know, stop from happening. So usually they're like, you know, they're thinking about certain things and, you know, certain things they don't want to be thinking about. And they're trying to like, you know, shut it off and force them to go away. And that just because you're doing that, you're actually giving them a ton of attention by trying to get rid of them. And that's actually keeping them around. So I think if you first understand that your mind is like a thinking machine, and it's always going to be thinking something, you're not going to turn it off necessarily, you can realize that there will always be something. And then when something that you don't really want to be thinking comes up, you'll be like, Oh, there's the machine. I noticed that. It's okay. It's not the truth. It's just a thought. It's just a perception through my individual sort of experience. And as you catch it and realize that you don't have to take it seriously, that's sort of a practice too. And then over time, instead of all of those thoughts, you don't want being in the foreground of your attention, they just kind of like move to the background and they still, you know, sneak through here and there. But every time you do, you know that you don't have to take it seriously and you can just you know, sort of let it pass and sort of let the machine continue churning. Um, that's, that's the most helpful thing, uh, that I've found for me at least. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, what question I have, uh, this relates back to the psychedelics, but I I'm curious how you actually record your trips because I've watched a couple of your videos and it seems like you can sort of recall quite a bit of information from the experience itself. Whereas I find personally, a, lo a lot of it is kind of elusive. A lot of the things that happen and your brain also kind of something happens. Like, I don't know if it's trying to protect itself in some way, but it starts, it starts to like, not remember it as clearly as it, as you experienced it. Um, so I'm curious of how, if, do you write it down? Do you record anything right away? Uh, what is your practice in, in that sense? Yeah. Um, with, with the experience I just described before of like, you know, talking to God, I actually didn't write any of that down. I think it was just such a specific experience that stayed with me that it was able to, I was kind of like, you know, still able to recall a decent amount. Um, and the video I made about it, it's about 30 minutes long is much better. I think I had like a few more questions I asked that I just like, can't remember anymore, but um, a lot of times I will jot down notes, um, but a lot of times I won't also, and it'll just kind of, some of it will stay with me, but a lot of times, you know, when I'm not tripping, I'm getting, especially if I'm, you know, not super identified with Andrew at the time, like I'll have sorts of like insights and moments of clarity much more often. So when I, you know, take mushrooms, it's like an analogy I like to use is like, you know, a lot of people live with say 10 layers, kind of like an onion, the person's just 10 layers. And so taking mushrooms, say, you know, three grams, you peel back three layers. So if you exist with only six layers and you don't have as many perceptions of the world that you're sure of, you know, this idea of yourself, you're not as sure of it, you know, all of these judgments, you're not as sure and like solid about all of them. Maybe you only exist with, you know, eight layers or something. So then you only need one gram to sort of get to the same feeling of clarity as someone taking three grams. So if you take three grams, then you're at five layers and then you're able to see things, you know, more clearly. So anyway, when I, you know, take a higher dose of mushrooms, a lot of times 
I'll walk around New York also after like two hours and I'll just like notice a lot of things and kind of always have things coming into my head. So I probably forget about 90% of them, but even just, you know, remembering 10% is still probably enough to make a video about, but a lot of times I'll write down in a notebook. Um, I've taken a few videos, which I probably shouldn't have, um, of me straight up tripping um, and put them on TikTok. And they actually were on there for a while. They're still on Instagram. Instagram didn't remove them, but someone reported me on TikTok and, and I got uh, a 24-hour ban from posting. And then I'm like banned from the creator fund for like six months or something for posting about illegal substances too much because I have a few other videos that are not straight up me tripping with like pupils this big, but it's still, you know, talking about them and whatnot. And yeah, TikTok isn't incredibly fond of that, which I didn't realize how, how direct of a, uh, in a, a way I was like sort of breaking the rules with that. Uh, but I guess it, it kind of makes sense, but I think, yeah, someone reported me like a month after I posted those. Um, so I'll probably stay away from that for a bit. Right. Yeah. Makes sense. So what's next for you, Andrew? That is a good question. I, I feel like I'm in a sort of state of, I don't know about confusion. It's almost like, how do I want to perceive it? It's like, I have a lot of ways I can take things. Like, I, as I mentioned, I still have my full-time job, um, which part of me, you know, wants to be super dramatic and just like quit tomorrow. Uh, but part of me understands that I'm able to kind of have that balance. And so I'm, you know, kind of trying to figure out monetization strategies, um, with content, because I think my passion is just, you know, beyond anything, just creating content and authentically expressing myself. Um, I don't really have many of those hesitations that I used to have about people's perceptions. I kind of, you know, have almost none, which is super helpful when you're creating content because there isn't really a hesitation between, you know, when you have a idea and then actually turn that into a video. Um, so I guess, you know, we're always existing in a state of pure uncertainty and no one knows what's going to happen next. But beyond that, I think I'm just like trying to figure out what to do next as well, because I think there's a few different ways I could take things. Um, but yeah, I decided, you know, work-wise, we do get a bonus. So I'm, I'm going to stick around until that's, you know, in March and then sort of reevaluate. But I think it would be cool to just kind of like jump ship. And I don't know what the what the uh, analogy is exactly. It's like some sort of war analogy where they uh, would dock their ships and then uh, burn the boats, like when they docked, when they were coming to like conquer an island. So it was either like conquer it or die, basically. There was no plan B. I think that can be a helpful strategy for people because I think having that sort of security of, you know, getting paid every two weeks is just, it's, it's tough to make any drastic jumps into things and really go super hard with something. Um, so yeah, that's kind of a long non-answer, but uh, we're figuring it out. Nice. I like it. I'm excited to see what happens for you. And um, where can people follow you? You mentioned TikTok, YouTube. Where can people follow you? Yeah, TikTok is uh, Andrew underscore Renane. Uh, Instagram is a.renane. Uh, YouTube, Andrew Renane. Uh, I also have uh, my own podcast, the Andrew Renane podcast, and then another podcast that I uh, joint host uh, once a week called Dualist Unity. 
Um, and we have a lot of information there. We do workshops through that at dualisticunity.com. And, and we have some other things like a NFT project and potentially a DAO um, coming for that and a Discord specifically for that. So I think all of that is linked in my social media bios. But um, yeah, that's I think that's the extent. Awesome. Thanks so much uh, for talking to me today, Andrew. Yeah. Thank you, Forrest. Really appreciate you having me come on. I love, you know, talking about all this stuff, especially when it comes to psychedelics. So I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity to, you know, discuss it here with you. On this show, you know, I've talked a lot about money. Um, investing is an interest of mine. Money is really important as a store of energy of, uh, of ourselves. And basically we can use it to create in this world. We can make all these different things happen just because of the money that we either use and the more you accumulate of it, the more you can create. And it's just, uh, it's a fascinating subject. And it's a lot easier sometimes to actually save money than it is to make money. So today's sponsor is Mint Mobile. And if you're in the States and you have a cell phone, you can probably save a lot of money by switching to Mint. I mean, Mint has these plans. It's like 15 bucks a month, unlimited calling, unlimited texting, five gigabytes of data. They have 4G, 5G plans. And for 30 bucks, you can get unlimited data included with that plan. And so it's like 30 bucks unlimited data. And the internet is so powerful. We need to get on there. We need to learn. I mean, you're probably, you're using the internet right now to listen to this, to download this. Um, it's important to have, and you might be able to save a ton of money by switching to Mint. So check out the link in the description for Mint Mobile, and we get a kickback here, we get a small commission, so it really, really supports the show. It's super, super important to um, feel like I can actually do this and make a little bit of cash, um, th this podcast, so it's going a long way, and it's really important for you to save money as well. So. If you are spending too much on your mobile, go at least check it out. See if the coverage is good for you, if the service is good for you. And basically, it's a smart business as well. What they've done with Mint Mobile is they've um, they've basically done what more and more companies are doing to save money and to pass it on to consumers, which is not have a retail store. There's a lot of empty shopping malls out there in the world now because there's no need for companies like Mint Mobile to have a cell phone kiosk in the mall or whatever storefront. And so they can pass those savings from not having to, um, you know, rent and lease that space, not having to employ those people working there. They can employ people in a more concentrated fashion so they can have less employees and serve more people basically. And they do it all online, all through the internet. And the customer service is supposedly pretty good still. Um, that's the other thing too, is you don't want to like lose things by switching to Mint Mobile. So I would I would just recommend checking them out, see if it's a fit for you. Um, basically, when I ever have a problem on my cell phone, I'm calling them anyway. I'm not going into a store. Uh, that's just, you know, you're just looking to get upcharged basically by going into a store anyway. So um, check it out. Links in this description, like I said.